What up, guys? Welcome back to episode 14 of the Deskmount Therapy Podcast. Today, I'm chatting with my good friend, Jonathan Chow. He's a, a myo-detox therapist at myo-detox, and he's going to tell us a little bit about himself and how he got started in the industry. All right, cool. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. How's everyone doing? My name is John. Like David just said, I am a massage therapist for myo-detox. I'm currently at the Mao Detox Davisville location, and I just recently started at the City Place one downtown Toronto. Um, yeah, so like my journey dates back to probably when I was in undergrad at Western. I was doing my Bachelor of Science, double major in biology and medical science, and um, pretty much didn't want to work in a lab. I didn't want to go in and work with rats or test tubes and kind of just be in a lab coat and work in the cubicle. So from pretty much second year onwards, I knew I wanted to do something in the healthcare professional field, whether it be physio, chiro, or RMT. Um, yeah, and then after that, after I graduated, pretty much just went and shadowed a bunch of people. Um, I shadowed chiros, shadowed physios, um massage therapist as well and there was one particular massage therapist that really resonated with me um as a as a basketball player in my younger days i don't play as much anymore i had my fair share of injuries um, and massage therapist that i had at that time was probably the only one that really took the time effort care to really try and get me back to playing basketball everyone else it might have just been the luck of the draw, but everyone else was very passive. It just felt not humanizing. So there was a connection that I had with that my massage therapist. And ever since then, it was a career option for myself. Um, yeah, so pretty much after university, I went and pursued massage therapy school at Canadian College of Massage and Hydrotherapy. That's pretty close to the Young and Davisville location that I'm working at currently. So I kind of went full circle back to it. And um, yeah, two years of that, did everything that I could, got my hands dirty, made sure that I was working with as many different types of people as I possibly can. And um, all the connections pretty much led me to working at uh, Myo Detox. And Myo Detox has given me opportunities that I would never see myself having at any other brand or company. Um, I've worked at various other clinics around Toronto, and most of them are pretty run-of-the-mill, very like you clock in, you clock out. There's not a lot of bouncing ideas off of each other, other therapists, other physios, and stuff like that. So the culture that Mayo has, has built is the main reason I was driven to to work for these guys um, and they just make the whole healthcare therapy uh, brand or the vision look very appealing based on their amazing marketing so yeah that's pretty much where I'm at now and I've done a lot of continuing education so my style of treatment is very not traditional in terms of the um, the RMTs that graduate right out of RMT school. Um, yeah, but I'll probably touch a little bit more on that once we get deeper into this. 
Yeah, you definitely have quite the background there. And I can definitely see how that experience with your mentor has translated to your, your treatment style because having gone to you for treatment, you're very like friendly and welcoming. It doesn't feel like you're going to see a therapist. A lot of people like, like they're, they don't want to go to physio or they don't want to get a massage. But like it's a, your style is very like welcoming and it's very like understanding like the patient's issues, which I think is so important. Understanding like what they want to return to and really trying to resonate with them. And I find that actually like makes the therapeutic like benefits even stronger because you develop like uh, almost like a professional relationship with the patient. Yeah, for sure. Like that's, that's the main goal. That's the goal is to make it so that it's not a grudge um, purchase or a grudge judgment to walk in and be like, Oh man, I'm in pain. I gotta go talk to this dude for, for an hour. Like he's going to be rubbing me it, it's kind of weird to to kind of begin with. So the more cohesive, the more education that you can bring into the session is always something that's going to help make that whole experience a lot better. Um, but yeah, like that's one of my, one of my favorite things to do is to find the uncommon common things that we have between each other, and just to make the session more enjoyable. Like to be honest, stuff kind of hurts. Like the faster release, like David, you probably know that this oh, for stuff, sure. Yeah, it hurts. It's not the most comfortable. So trying to make sure that the the client is, you know, distracted or just keeping the conversation going just makes it that much more enjoyable. And I've been told by multiple clients that um just like that friendly approach or just making sure that um there's that humanizing aspect to it where it's not always just like I hierarchy you know what I mean like it's not just like I know all the answers no like we're a team we're gonna work through it together whatever your goal is that's the that's the the end goal for us that's the plan every time I see someone new or someone that I've been working with for multiple years now we always want to try and just work towards the goal of getting them to do whatever they want to do in life yeah, and I really respect that, especially the fact that you're like you're okay with saying you don't know why something is hurting. You're you're open to doing more assessment and testing and retesting. Where a lot of times people are fixated on the outcome and the diagnosis, especially more so when you go to other clinics when it's just like physios. People just want the reassurance of a diagnosis, but you're confident and like comfortable saying like, "Hey, I'm not sure. Let's um let's put the puzzle pieces together." Because often it's like multi multi things going on at a time. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Because at the end of the day, like, I don't, I don't really know how you feel. Like, I understand that there's, there's a lot of anatomy, there's a lot of testing, there's a lot of neurology that's involved in and the physiology as well. But at the end of the day, you know your body best. You're the one that's with it twenty four seven. You know, like, squatting down and picking up your dogs who is hurting your low back right like i don't know those little idiosyncrasies that you go through on a daily basis so it's always better to always go with what the patient is feeling in terms of their uh sensorial experience like what they are feeling on a daily basis and kind of working backwards rather than giving them something that almost like fear mongering where I throw like buzzwords at them and then they start using Dr. Google 
and searching everything up and being like, oh crap, I have 14 days to live. You know what I mean? Like, so there's a lot of stuff that you should do to kind of make sure that one, the psychosocial aspect of therapy is that we're on the same page to make sure that that person understands that, okay, you will get better. The body is very resilient and there might not always be a very clear cut answer to what you are at the end of the day there are there are all just labels that people throw at certain injuries or certain even just anatomy landmarks right like it's it's all a global picture at the end of the day so yeah for sure always try to make sure that they are um, they're well educated in what's going on but at the same time not not scared to let them know that hey i don't really know what's going on we might have to assess more or am I have to prefer you at? Yeah, and just so for those of you who haven't seen John, it's not like traditional massage where you're just kind of getting rubbed down. It's more like like deep tissue and sports massage, which is why it's like not as relaxing as like a traditional massage. So this is more that actually have like more longer lasting benefits than just kind of getting like a like a relaxation massage. So it's more focused on like like tightness and muscles from from working out or up and improving posture and things like that. So it's definitely different than you typically think of a massage therapist. Right. Um, just to kind of touch on that as well. So most of my practice is based on um, anatomy trains by Thomas Myers. So that's the manual therapy aspect of it. And I'll touch a little bit more about how like a normal session looks with myself, but pretty much, yeah, like we always look at the body as a whole. So everything is connected. Um, the only reason why a lot of muscles are isolated in people's minds or in people's uh, idea of like human bodies is probably just because they were dissected that way. So when someone was like with a cadaver, they used a scalpel and they made those incisions on those certain muscles to kind of separate them. But at the end of the day, like everything is moving in unison, everything is connected. So anytime you come see me, I'm huge on the fact that you have to look bottom up or, or top down either way, because one, gravity is always affecting us and two, the feet are our main foundation. So anytime that we're walking or doing any sort of uh, sport like lateral movements, jumping up and down, the feet have a huge impact of how the body perceives itself in space. So it's like your proprioception. Um, but yeah, like the t anatomy textbooks and all that stuff, they're very good at giving you a clear understanding of what the muscle looks like, where it's location, but it doesn't always put into effect that everything is working at the same time. So we get a lot of like isolatory um, muscle blaming where it's like, oh, your glute isn't on um, or your calves are super tight. Like, there's so many different factors to it. So having that perspective of the human body changes the way that I look at someone when they walk in. Um, and then the movement aspect of it is all about how we control the space that we create with manual therapy. So in a session with myself, it's always about creating space, 
controlling that space that we just created and then making sure that the capacity is um, at a high level so that eventually your joints will quote unquote be future proof and that you will be less likely to injure yourself. Yeah, can you talk a little bit about how strength can almost have a protective benefit? Like a lot of people focus just on mobility and they forget that you still need to incorporate strength training to get like therapeutic benefits. Yeah, for sure. So um, one analogy that I always like like uh, telling is I think of uh, think of like a, a yogi, nothing against any yogis, but you know, it's, it's a lot of passive stretching. So if you were to, for example, um, bring your leg up above your head and you're using your arms to kind of help hoist your leg up over your head, like that is great um, flexibility. That is great, con- uh, not control, sorry. That's great flexibility of your joint. You're able to have that available space in your joint to actually move into that direction. but can you do that without the aid of any external force? That's where control, strength, and capacity come into play. So it's more about like, how do you actively control your joints rather than just always working on uh, passive stretches? Because at the end of the day, when we want to get into those tricky positions that are more catered for real life situations or real life uh, scenarios, such as like, if one day you slip and fall and or you slip on black ice and your legs stretch out, are you able to load that joint? Are you able to kind of control that force so that your 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 tendons, your ligaments, your soft tissue around that area aren't foreign to that exposure of force? And it will eventually lead to like a muscle tear or a ligament sprain or something like that. So being able to flexibility and mobility are two very different things. Um, of course, you need flexibility to eventually gain mobility, but it's always important to add strength because you're going to increase the capacity of your joint. So think of every joint in your body having like a little bit of a threshold. And once you apply a force outside of that threshold, that's when injury occurs. So the more you train your joint, to slowly increase your ability to absorb load or increase your capacity, that's when you will um, lower your risk of injury and be able to control your joints, essentially. So yeah, strength could, is, is huge, yeah. Yeah, and even from what we've been talking about recently, like it's a lot of mm-hmm. it's about building, the, the tolerance is the key thing here because the brain plays such a, a large role in that. It's, all, it's almost like, the more strength you have, the more comfortable your, your brain is and your nervous system is with that load. Yeah, exactly. So it's just like, it's essentially prepping your body for the worst case scenario, right? It's always just like um, not focusing on just stretching to a certain degree, but it's always about, um, it's just about control. You just have to be able to control your joints. That's mainly it. It kind of sounds silly, but it's crazy how much my my yoga practices change in the style I've, I'm teaching my classes change since I've like been friends with John in like the past two or three years. Like my classes, I'm such a firm believer in like just passive stretching and the dynamic flows. 
And then ever since like John's been teaching me like the controlled articular rotations and the end range work, it's really like changed my mindset and my like belief system. And I just don't feel like comfortable bringing people through an hour of just passive stretching. So now, for example, instead of just doing like a yin pigeon pose for four minutes, we'll do like two minutes or one minute in like a, a passive stretch. Then we'll add some like kind of hip hinges in the pigeon and then we'll do like some pigeon rotations and some end range stuff that way. I'm also educating them, okay, this is one version, but I also want you to practice like these on your own and even the stuff for the shoulders. Because a lot of times people come to me after class, they're like, hey, I feel really flexible. How come I lose it the next week or the next time I do yoga? So I'm just trying to like teach them that you, you need to build this end range strength. Otherwise, your brain doesn't really have a reason for you to go there. Yeah, for sure. It's just affecting it's the nervous system. We're just trying to affect the nervous system as much as possible. And it's like, it's kind of like being in, so think of it like you're preparing for a presentation and the more you do multiple reps in front of other people. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's different when you, when you go through the speech and you're standing in front of a mirror because there's no like real pressure in that environment. But the second you kind of, put yourself in an uncomfortable position and then start talking in front of people that um, maybe like you'll start off with like two or three people and then slowly go to a larger crowd of like 10, 20, and then you'll evolve into like a hundred plus people. But you always have to start with just slowly easing yourself into a more uncomfortable situation. Same applies as to like when you're moving, um, or when you're trying to apply that to a specific joint, it's like you want to be able to start at a low, um, a low force into the joint. So you want to go like 30% of your max strength and you want to slowly just kind of ease that force into your joint. And then the, once you get more comfortable in that position, you can increase the load or increase the uncomfortable feeling that you have so that, the next time you have to go in front of 200 people, you'll have so many repetitions of that scenario that it's, it's nothing. You don't feel any anxiety. You don't feel any um, stress. Uh, same as like if you were to go and play flag football or touch football or whatever, and your joint has been experiencing that end range and you know how to add low to it, you know how to control it, that's when it starts getting um, not foreign, not uncomfortable for you anymore. You're not in your uncomfortable zone. Like you've gone through multiple reps of being in that end range. And um, yeah, like your body won't resist it. It'll just go into it right away and it won't cause any sort of like elongated tissues. It won't cause any risk of injuries. But um, yeah, you're essentially just like I keep saying, you're just pushing the, that capacity more and more so that you can load that joint more efficiently. And I find it extremely fascinating how fast you can see results with the controlled stretching and the active stretching. Like I've had, like in the past, I was getting hip pain whenever I did conventional deadlifts, like towards my outer hip and my hip flexor. And as soon as I started within like one day, as soon as I, the next week after I deadlifted, I warmed up and I did like these 90-90 thing you show me with like a knee lift and then the standing hip cars, mm -hmm. like immediately like I was able to lift more in my deadlift and I had absolutely like no pain afterwards. Like I'd have like a nagging hip pain and it's crazy how fast, like I find it's like 
you, it's easier to educate people about this when there's an easier way to buy into, you know, you try it once and you notice like the effects right away, whereas stretching is just shows, so short lived on its own. Yeah. I mean, like, it's kind of like a party trick, right? It's like you go and be like, Hey, hold the stretch and then add a little bit of force into it and then get them to go into that position again. They'll be like, Oh shit, I can feel so, I, I can move my legs so much easier. But well, like you said, it, it lasts, but you have to, it's reps, man. Like you got to keep going to the point where it's like, it's your new normal. Like your body now doesn't have that state of threat in that position where everything will tighten up because one, you haven't explored that range in a really long time. And two, because you haven't explored that range in a really long time, everything around it is going to be like, yo, I'm not going to let you go any further because I don't feel safe because I haven't been in this position for a really long time. So I want to do everything that I can to prevent you from going into that. That's essentially what your muscles, ligaments are doing and your soft tissue are doing when you are going into that end range that you're not comfortable with. So yeah, I mean, like, you'll, you'll see results really, really fast as long as you are consistent with it. Because at the end of the day, it's like, like that analogy, that analogy of the speech, like standing in front of someone and talking, right? Like that, that takes a long time to get over, but the more reps you go through, the easier it becomes. But once you stop for like a year or two, you're still going to get that stage fright. You're still going to get those butterflies, but it'll come back a lot faster because you've been working on it. So what about maintaining mobility? So you've been doing like some active work and for like a, a week or a few months, like, is it okay to switch from doing it every day to say three times a week? Or would you say try to um, like control your joints every single day? Um, I mean, like I, in an ideal world, like, if you want the best mobility, I tell you to like stop doing everything in life and just working on your mobility. But I mean, that doesn't make sense. Cause yeah, it's not practical. <laughs> you need to live and you need to go to work, but yeah, it's, it's more about just having the tools and, and a toolbox to kind of pick at every once in a while. Um, everyone's human. Everyone's realistic. Like I'm not out here doing mobility stretches like every single day for like 30 minutes, but if I feel any sort of tightness or I feel kind of stiff the morning of, or before I go to bed, like I will have um, two or three exercises that I'll go right into and just kind of ease my joints back into a more comfortable position. But honestly, in the beginning, depending on how chronic your situation has been, like if you've been, if you've been like a desk worker for 10 plus years and you've not really explored movement outside of just sitting, standing, walking, running, and you haven't like made a side step or a lateral movement in a long time, I would actually double down and make sure that you're doing it very consistently in the beginning. And then of course, once things kind of go into your routine, I would get you to slowly ease off and taper and maybe do it like two, three times a week, once a week, just to make sure that the, you know, the wheels are still spinning, the engine's still running, stuff like that, you know? 
Yeah, and I find people try to do too much at once. I know Dr. Harden talked about this last week, how like a lot of people do like every single mobility exercise I see on Instagram every day, thinking it's the right thing for them when really you just need to prioritize. Like me, for example, like my ankles like were the weak point, so I would wake up and, and do some active dorsiflexion and I do it like two minutes before bed as well. And I find it, he talks about how you should just do something, one or two things for a few weeks, reassess and then see if that's working, then pick a new a different mobility exercise, maybe something that approaches differently rather than trying to be like a do too much at once. No, I totally agree. That's the thing with Instagram, man. Like there's so much information just constantly thrown at you. Um, everything is great. Like it's good. People are being very proactive and they're looking for exercises to do, but yeah, like, like you just mentioned, it's not, it's not a one size fits all, you know, like, certain people have excessive movement in one joint certain people have less movement in another in another like there can't there can't be a, a do it all stretch where you just hit every single thing and you're going to expect to be as limber as like a, a baby you have to yeah that's why I like seeking a professional and getting an initial assessment and going through that whole movement analysis is very very underappreciated because people just they want that quick fix they want that do it all stretch but unfortunately like every single case scenario every single person has different um, movement patterns so some mobility movements might not actually benefit other people yeah, some people might have too much. They could have hypermobility because this brings us to the other end of the spectrum. Like you also have to consider if you need more stability because maybe you've been working on your mobility and say your hips for so long or your ankles or your shoulders, whatever, and you need, especially shoulders, the, probably the best example here is you need more stability. Like maybe you, you were previously hypermobile there or you have a lot of range there. Sometimes the best thing is to really just build some strength there. So maybe that's just completely not stretching and doing stability work. Like I find that's something that's not talked about as much. Yeah, for sure. Like there's so many different factors, right? Like everybody just at the end of the day, everyone just wants to be able to move better. Right. So whether it be stability, mobility, you need uh, a fascial release or maybe just like a pat on the back and be like, Hey man, you're okay. Like that, maybe that's what people need. And it's really hard to tell unless you, go and seek some like professional help um it's there's a lot of a lot of information on instagram a lot of information on youtube and it's and uh, google but a lot of the stuff is uh it it could be more detrimental to your situation if it's not super catered to what you need right so yeah there's a lot of aspects to it that people aren't talking about um and they're more more focused on just making sure that they get likes and follows. Yeah. Like I find even for my clients too, I try to like, I do like an online assessment. I try to really understand the demands of their life, their social activities they do, whether they play me like other sports, I saw to work. So to make sure that what I'm giving them is actually benefiting them in some capacity outside of the gym. Cause my clients are more focused on like living like a healthy life, moving well, not so focused on like, like the aesthetics of it. Obviously, I help them with like weight loss and stuff like that, but they just want to be able to move well and prevent injury long-term. So I find a lot of it just about like, there's some testing and retesting to see like how 
the, the first like guess of the mobility exercises does for them. But a lot of it's about looking at their lifestyle as a whole and looking at them as a whole and seeing like what exercises would be more functional for them in the gym because functional is not the same for everyone. And I feel like that's something that is, gets very confused often. It's like not one thing is functional for like a specific person. That's why you have to kind of tailor everything and really try to understand the complete picture. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's, um, it's very case specific, right? Like every, like every individual is different. Everyone has a different goal in their mind. Like some people want to run an ultra marathon. Some people just want to be able to wake up without feeling crappy. Like there's a huge disconnect. Um, but one thing that I do like about, um, and I'm speaking more on just how mild detox has disrupted the industry in terms of trying to really bridge that gap where it's like, we're not super focused on like getting you, um, to be able to run that marathon. Of course, yes, that's one goal that we would love to help you achieve, but we're more focused on like the, the small, the small wins, you know, the little touch points that we give each person, um, every time they come in. So it's more about just being part of their journey rather than just being the sole provider of getting them to the end point. Does that make sense? It's more just like, we, we, we want to work with you throughout the whole process rather than just like you solely relying on me to get you to. No, I totally get it. The goal is to, yeah. to empower them to take care of their own health, yeah. to engage in their own health care. It's not just about like, doing some passive treatment on the bed. Like a lot of th clinics will just put you on a bed, hook you up to a machine and be like, all right, go home, do these exercises where they want to like educate you. So you first have the understanding you're communicating the, telling them what you need to work on. And then you're, you're getting that, that feedback and that communication. They really feel, especially with my detox, like it's very friendly and very welcoming. You, you kind of like have like, after going there, you, you feel so empowered to take care of your health. Whereas like a lot of clinics, like where I've gone in the past, they'd be like, oh, you don't want to exercise, just take rest where you feel like you just have a completely different mindset, I feel like. Yeah, for sure. And, and it's, um, it, it's tough, like coming from a massage therapy background, that's something that we were never really well versed in. Um, we double down on soft tissue work, like we are so focused on getting that trigger point released where it's we completely lose the whole idea of the other end of the spectrum, which is the movement, which is actually the more important aspect. Right. So I had to do a lot of um, self-studying. I had to do a lot of extracurricular, not extracurricular, sorry, um, continuing education courses, right. To kind of better my practice because at a very early stage, I knew that just working and rubbing on your calf for an hour is not going to change much in your long-term gains, right? It's, it's very short-term, very temporary. You feel amazing, like your calf is essentially jello, but there might be a reason why your calf was so freaking tight in the beginning, right? And we don't know how to address that unless we add movement into it because it's like it's like me releasing your um your calf for an hour and then you going off the table 
putting your clothes back on, putting your bag back on, and then walking out of the clinic. But the whole reason why your calf was so tight is because your entire rib cage is shifted over to your right ankle and you're putting more weight onto that. And I wouldn't have known that because as a massage therapist, there isn't a lot of emphasis on movement and we won't be able to pick that up if we do not do a more um, movement analysis, if we don't check the joints, if we don't check how you're loading your weight side to side, stuff like that, right? So I really enjoy the fact that we don't have to be limited in the way we practice at Mayo. Um, of course, like if I worked somewhere else, I can also um, treat the same way, but it's just like, it's a standard at, at the clinics. So it just makes it a lot easier and more receptive for patients that choose to book with me because they'll already have an understanding that, okay, this is something different. This is not going to be your traditional, um, like candles, music, sheets on the table and draping and stuff like that it's a lot more catered and functional yeah and it brings us back to what you talked about in the beginning how you shadowed a, a physio a massage and a chiro and how at my detox it was really about bridging the gap because clinic to clinic like like i have trouble even referring my clients out to for like if they want, if they're not like in toronto and they don't have access to my detox so like so like a therapist, because like I'll be like, I know a good Cairo here at Mayo, but he's like, oh, I tried a Cairo and wherever my client is. And he's like, I don't think they work. But I like how they bridge the gap because it's really like Vinny really, really pushed this hard, how it's about like they're all really the same. They just have different if you follow a similar approach. Right. There's less differences there. There's more similarities than there are differences. And I feel like that kind of like creates people think that they're so different kind of creates a stigma, whereas like they really have all the same goals just to, to help people get moving better. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, in the beginning, it was more of like a style of treatment, but as the company evolved, it's become more of just a philosophy and an understanding of how you want to obtain results. Um, just circling back to those three, three pillars is like the, creation control and capacity like those are the three things that we we focus on and it doesn't matter how you create space you know you can use your grasping tool you can use the cupping you can use acupuncture whatever soft tissue modality that you that you're comfortable with by all means like it doesn't always have to be a fascial glide or a fascial release that's just what some or most of us are comfortable with but it's the idea that we're always trying to create space in your body. We're trying to control it. And then we're trying to increase that capacity so that you become more resilient in general. Yeah. I think that's the key too. Cause a lot of times with like in the gym and with strength training and resistance training, we'll focus and a lot of people will prioritize on their strengths and we tend to neglect the smaller muscles and our weaker muscles because they're weak. And I find that's what can expose us to increased risk of injuries when you you just focus on what you're good at. Whereas recently, like even for my training, I'm switching on like doing more functional movements for myself as an individual and also working on different muscle groups more than I would have in the past. In the past, there was a lot of like stigma, just an example about like, oh, everyone would blame the upper traps for like neck pain and shoulder pain and like sitting causes upper traps and you should always keep your shoulders like back and down. Whereas recently, like people are starting to understand that maybe your traps are just really freaking tight because they're weak, right? 
maybe it's because no one ever does shrugs like properly and just people are like afraid oh my traps are tight i don't want to do shrugs that'll make them tighter whereas resistance training doesn't always make something stiffer because you just mentioned earlier like the calf that's a really good example like maybe it's tight for a reason maybe it's providing stability to another joint that maybe is not moving well like the hip or the or the knee so a lot of times people are just forget to think about like the reasons behind like their intentions in the gym and movement in, in general yeah i mean that's totally that's totally correct like everything that you said was spot on everyone is very focused like myself too like i'm very focused on um tension i'm very focused on pain i'm very focused on um that sensation of of stretch like if i feel like i can't get my arm up above my head then I'm going to dive deep into the, into that shoulder because that one movement is limited, but yeah, there's so many factors to it. It's very, very hard to just say that because your shoulder can't go above your head, that it's, it's your, it's your shoulder joint. Like we have to kind of step back and look at the body more globally. Um, just because there's so many movements that we do on a daily basis that help contribute or if you get stuck in a certain pattern for a long period of time, your movement spectrum starts shortening because now you get super comfortable. I'm just going to take like an average desk worker, for example. Like if you're seated in that position for eight plus hours a day, like you're going to be a master sitter. Like you're going to be very comfortable in that um neutral to slightly flexed position right and everything around it is just going to tighten or it's going to mold you into just moving through like a little bit more flexion and then back to neutral because you spend most of your time in that area um but your neck might be hurting because your thoracic spine isn't able to kind of move through rotation or you're not able to kind of go into extension so by default if your joints aren't moving at your thoracic spine the neck is going to have to just start compensating and overworking for your thoracic spine so maybe now the neck is moving into extension a little bit more now when you're trying to reach for something in the back seat you're using your neck way more to drive that movement rather than your thoracic spine but it's not your next fault, you know, the next just trying to do its best. It's mainly just because you're stuck in that one pattern for so long that you're not able to, to control the movement or to tap into the potential that that joint actually has. So just circling back to everything that we've been talking about in this, um, in this episode is pretty much just controlling the range of motion that you have so that everything moves more efficiently. Yeah. And I just want to throw out a, a personal example into that. So yesterday, like I, I'm just trying to change my training style up. So instead of doing like a traditional barbell bench press, I use the football bar for those who don't know, it's like a, like a hammer grip. Like, so you can, I, for me personally, I find it's more functional for me, for my movement pattern. So you allows a bit more shoulder external rotation. So that was my working exercise. And then during my rest, I was working on one of my weaknesses instead of just sitting there waiting for my next set. 
I was doing some, um, I was lying prone on a mat with a dowel behind my back, working on active range shoulder extension. That way I'm kind of killing two birds with one stone here. A, it's not going to additionally fatigue me, and B, it's just going to benefit me, if anything, from my other sets and also keep me moving, keep me warm. So I feel like that's another way people can work on their weaknesses without becoming bored in the gym with their training, right? Yeah, exactly. Because, like, I, I mean, I'm an advocate myself. Like, when I go to the gym, it's very linear what we're doing, right? Like, squat, we're going up, down, bicep curls, we're going up, down shoulder press we're going up down everything is just kind of in the sagittal plane um but yeah i mean you can always make it fun like you can mix it up you can do rotation like that's a huge aspect of our daily life like a lot of people don't understand that you do a lot more rotation than you think and when we go to the gym like there's no rotation in any of the exercises that we go through that's why i really really like um kettlebell work so kettlebell work adds a lot. You can do like with just one simple kettlebell, you can literally You can do everything. Every single, yeah, exactly. You can do every single thing in the gym and you can move through so many different variations because of how um, that kettlebell is shaped. So even even like rows, like rowing, you can just use a TheraBand to do some rotational work, but there's so many different ways to to just increase that and um and i think it'll benefit people to kind of think more globally in terms of like bigger movements that mimic real life scenarios so like if you're if you're um like a baseball pitcher right so instead of doing the regular exercises add rotation because you're going to be doing a lot of rotation. You're going to be doing a lot of um, throwing, batting, swinging, running, right? Running has rotation involved in it as well. So just kind of like thinking about certain things that you like doing that what's the reason why I'm even in this gym? Like, am I doing it because I want to be able to uh, ski, snowboard, or, or just like be able to walk more pain-free? Like, cater your workouts and cater your movements so that it fits what you want to do outside of the gym. Yeah. I think that's huge. Cause like, I feel like, I don't know if this is necessarily true, but I feel like if you spend too much time in just the sagittal plane, then you're, you might potentially have an increased risk of injury because you're just not moving your body in the other planes. It's, it's meant it's designed to move in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just kind of take example. Like, you probably everybody's everybody knows this one dude that's like an ex soccer star when he was like 18 20 years old now he's 45 has a kid and the kid's like hey dad let's go play soccer i'm like okay cool i used to be able to you know do all these jukes or whatever but the second that he he stopped which was when he was like 25 so like from 25 to 45 he's been a desk worker right that lateral movement that juke hasn't been touched in so long that the body doesn't know how to respond to that movement and he goes to the park plays soccer with his boy and that first little sidestep boom popped acl that's basically a very common thing that happens because 
you're so focused on living in that sagittal front back world that second that your body has to go side to side it it doesn't know how to control it it doesn't know how to how to prevent your body from um it doesn't know how to control it essentially so rotation's a really good example there would stuff be good like i'm just gonna make some general recommendations like like side lunges cross x squats maybe even like my favorite would be like med ball slams into a wall is there anything else you can think of off the top of your head um like cable rows are really good um even just like yeah like lunges with with a side twist are really good um just training more more ballistic movements that focus on explosion so like uh going into a squat and then instead of going up we can drive to the side right more lateral movement yeah, I really like the one that I've done with you. It's like a thoracic lunge rotation with assist, and it actually feels good. Cause... Say it again? No, no, yeah, go ahead. No, my favorite one I know we did in the past, it was like a thoracic rotation with a lunge position. I found it very functional because you're, you're kind of learning how to communicate with the shoulders and the hips because you have like your trunk and your T-spine, but by learning to control the rotation, it kind of makes everything else around it easier to move. Mm-hmm, yeah. It's just like... I kind of look at the body as little, little mini segments. And it's like the more, the more that each segment has the ability to move independently makes the whole move more efficiently. So it's, it's always good to segmentalize your body in terms of mobility. But when we're doing like strength training, try to add in a little bit more of like a, a full body movement. So one of my favorites and I still do this religiously is um, kettlebell swings. They're huge. Really, really good. Yeah. And a lot of people I find, especially like the desktop population, they'll do them more of like a, like a hack squat, whereas it's really a, a true hip hinge movement. Like, like you, like you see them do a squat rather than a hip hinge. Yeah. I see it like, especially like first time people do kettlebell swings, they'll complain they're, they have like lower back pain during them or they're not able to perform properly. And I find it's that people just, especially desperate population just don't own that hip hinge position. Yeah. It's tough. That takes a lot of retraining, right? Just because you're, you're essentially in that position the whole time. And then, when you need to get in and out of that position, it just becomes very foreign to them. Right. And they're very used to kind of like being seated and then standing up again. And that's the same idea of like a, like a squat. So yeah, that makes sense. So maybe, uh, would you suggest, so maybe not everyone needs to like, you know, go to the gym and do the big lift. Some people just need to go in there and do some functional movements, whether it's like, like something like animal flow or even just doing some, whatever their demands for their life is honestly obviously we talked about how we it's different for everyone but i think people just need to have like a more open approach to training and less of the you know like the the way it's seen on social media is just bench press squat and deadlifts because for example say like you're a desk worker right and you have an hour lunch to to go to the gym to shower and get back you're not gonna it's not gonna be a good use of your time to go there spend half an hour warming up to your working weight for deadlifts doing four sets, then realizing you're running short of time and you got to cool down and cause you're really not being efficient with your time. And you, you know what I'm saying here? 
Yeah, for sure. Um, that's why I'm a huge advocate of like breaking up your your uh, routine a little bit. So going back into the idea of like having two or three tools in your toolbox that you can easily kind of input and plug into during your day. Like it doesn't always have to be like, I'm only going to move during this one hour block in my schedule because I have already a lot of time for that. No, I mean, it's like, break it up so that your body doesn't get stuck into that pattern. So when you're, when you're sitting at work and you're reading emails, you're typing away, like you can be mindful of that and, and kind of just move your spine in all different directions as you are typing. Like you don't have to only limit your movement to that one hour block that you keep yourself two, three times a week. Because like, like we were saying, the more consistency you have, the more reps you go through, the easier everything will be. And the more, um, the more you're exploring your range of motion potential, everything will start feeling better. And you're not going to be stuck in that one position for eight hours. Now you're going to be kind of going in and out of that position multiple times within that eight hours. That's actually more beneficial than just like, grinding for five hours going to the gym for one and then grinding for another two hours like that it it just doesn't math doesn't add up i'd rather you just kind of like every hour move a little bit more take yeah, a break one, yeah 100 percent. especially there's there's people who will who will do that they'll go to the gym and they'll just like not be productive with their time whereas if you rather them just keep moving like I know a lot of times people think posture, this is what I wanted to get to, is just like standing straight at your desk, you're sitting straight and absolutely not moving, like staying super rigid. And sometimes off, you'll, like people will, will kind of go into a position their body hasn't adopted and they'll kind of like try to hold that there, which ends up making them more sore than they would have if they created that space like we talked about from an environment where they, they can have good posture in one position. And, and again, it's okay to, to slouch a little bit as long as you can control it and get back to, to neutral without having to overforce it but i feel like people no i don't want to say people don't understand but it's it's the it's the way we use the word like postures like some people like a lot of the physios on instagram are like against it oh posture doesn't cause pain posture is useless posture doesn't mean anything what really is like it, it's how we're defining the thing and even if you look at yoga like posture is defined at different positions going from one posture to the next which is i feel like a more like functional definition of the word yeah i know posture is like a huge taboo thing right now like everyone's like oh posture doesn't matter posture yeah but at the end of the day like you can't tell me that if you're so hyper kyphotic that it doesn't affect something else like i understand that like posture doesn't always equate to pain there's no research on it and all this stuff but if you if you think about like what we're actually trying to do is like, I'm not trying to make you stand military straight all the time. That's not my goal. My goal is to put your, your proprioception of your body into a more comfortable state where that there's no, there's no gravitational pull. That's, you know, like if you're so leaning forward, like if you're toe heavy and all of your weight is leaning forward, and because your hip is shifting forward because your because your um, T-spine is rounding a little bit more, that's gonna 
over time, that's going to cause a lot of tension in your posterior chain. That's going to cause a lot of tension in your, in your calves and your hamstrings and your, your heels because the whole time your calf is essentially anchoring you down and preventing you from falling forward. Like your body's always trying to protect you 100% of the time and any sort of like deviations from a more comfortable position, your body is going to adapt to it. But at the same time, it may not be the, it might not be a beneficial adaptation. There's, there's a lot of gray area with that. Um, but yeah, like posture, I'm not a, I'm not a posture like master, but it's more about just making sure that you're able to get in and out of your fixed posture and to explore everything around it. Um, that's what we're more focused about. And I feel like the more proficient you are in your movement, the better that your proprioception of center will be and center will be able to allow you to explore things more effectively. That's the whole idea of like how I view posture. It's more just like you go into, into habit of your daily movements and then that kind of adapts and conforms how your quote unquote posture is like now. But it's more just how you, yeah, like you can control it. Can you get out of it? I don't care if you have super flat feet, right? But can you, can your joints go into supination? Can they go into calcaneal inversion and eversion effectively? Like, that's really what we're trying to get at here is like just learning to move with the body, learn to control it, right? Like, you, I, like I slouch sometimes too when I'm sitting at a desk just because it's, it's more comfortable for me because sometimes because like I stand straight all the time. Like when I'm standing, I'll be, it's okay if I slouch a little bit because I'm just working the opposite end of the strictum and creating that balance. Yeah, for sure. It's, um, it's, it's just variability, giving yourself variability throughout the day. All right. Awesome. There's been a lot of great information here today. Do you have any last tips for, for a quick recap for anyone about like what they can do if they're sitting at a desk, obviously you mentioned coming for assessment. So if you're in Toronto, Definitely hit up John for a functional movement assessment. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I think we touched on a lot of it, but one key takeaway is just to have two to three exercises that are super easy for you to do at your desk. So there's a few, obviously, it's going to be harder for me to explain it, but it's just like moving your spine and every single range of motion that it possibly can and just getting getting used to going into those ranges of motions first and then adding more load as you get more comfortable going to those positions so it's like kind of just explore feel around there's certain areas that are a little stickier just kind of work on that a little bit more um but other than that it's just like yeah like variability that's the main thing that you want to do for yourself is just don't settle into one position for too long and always just try to remind yourself to to take those water breaks or washroom breaks but at the same time like use that water break to explore more than just you standing up and walking right like add rotation add side to side movement add full front full back movement and all that stuff 
Awesome. So for those of you who are interested in learning more about John, you can head over to John Rehab on Instagram and also head over to myodetox.com and check out John if you want to book a session with him. So we'll definitely have a follow-up with some exercises posting on the page once closer to when this podcast is released. So stay tuned. Um, and then, yeah, thanks so much for coming on today. My pleasure, man. Thank you for having me. Thank you.